Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. Thanks, Sarah. Well, Happy New Year to you all. Uh, And my prayer for us as a church this year really is that we would know the peace and the comfort of God and that more than that, we would become more fully acquainted with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, it is me speaking this morning. Some of you were expecting Ian. Sadly, him and the children over Christmas weren't very well. Um, So I've been super mum just trying to nurse everybody, uh, keep everything together, and Ian still has man flu, so, so you've got me today, and I, it's just such a privilege at the outset of the year to be able to deliver today's message. Now, Ian and I would really like to thank you for the tremendous support that we've received, the encouragement, We've had gifts, we've had texts, we've had emails, we've had words whispered in our ear, just words of encouragement and support. And we are just so grateful for the way in which we've been welcomed into this family here at Forward Free with that real sense of connection. And what really excites me is the way that the church is growing. Now, where there is life, there is growth. And for those of you who are online, we are making space for you. We are going to two services next week, and I don't think that we should let this opportunity pass us by just to say a big, huge well done to the staff team who are making this happen. People are, have been giving sacrificially. People that are doing stewarding, that are doing the teas and coffees, we've got the youth team, the tech team. This is sacrificial giving. We're moving from one service to two, and they are making it happen. People are sacrificially giving. You yourselves have risen up to take your place in order to serve each other and the community in which we are in. So let's just give a hand to to everybody who's stepping up at this time. Well done. So we are starting a vision series this month. This is a vision month. And so next week, we are going to be having about personal vision in the morning, and then corporate vision is going to be talked about in the evening. These are going to be important sessions for us to be in attendance to. Following that, we're going to have a few weeks of Ian, my husband Ian, sharing the vision for the church. Now, you do not want to be missing out on this. You want to be right in with the vision for the church for the future, right at the initial stages. So make sure that you're you're coming along to those. So let us, with that in mind, in this context, I want to set a framework, a mindset 
for 2023. So let us fasten our seatbelts today as we begin our journey together into the new year, the lens through which to see in 2023. So the way in which we view the world is through the lens in which we see. So always look on the bright side of life. Yeah, so this is like the Pollyanna effect, okay? Everything is super. There is something to be glad about in every situation. And for those of you who are younger, Orphan Annie, what did she say when there was a grey, grotty day? She was saying, I stick out my chin and I say, the sun will come out tomorrow. So we have this kind of Pollyanna, this overly optimistic impact when we're looking through those lenses. So, how about these? I'm feeling more akin to kind of Scrooge, Victor Meldrew, Eeyore right now, because I am seeing the world as a really dark and gloomy place. And I think we can all put on different lenses. We may be looking at the world through the rejection, the hurt, the pain that we have been through. And we're all akin to taking off and putting on different glasses, seeing the world through different lenses, depending on what is going on in our lives. So we can see the same situation very differently, depending on what is in our hearts. So it's a windy day, for example. So the pessimist is going to turn around and say, this is terrible, it's just complaining, it's really frustrated. The optimist looks at the wind and they're saying, this will all be gone tomorrow. This too shall pass. But the realist is going to look at the situation And they're going to be saying, you know what, I'm just going to readjust my sails to cope with the situation at hand. Now, I myself am naturally short-sighted, and so I need corrective lenses in order to see what otherwise I would be completely blind to. So people might wave to me from a distance. If I have got no lenses in my eyes, I will not see you. I'm not being rude, I just can't see. But with those corrective lenses, suddenly a whole world opens up to me. So we need to be conscious of the lens through which we view the world. The Bible teaches us that the condition of our heart determines all that we see and all that we experience. So let's have a think about the the context in which the scripture that has been read today comes from. So in 1 Peter 3, we're looking at living life in a pagan world. So they had oppressive Roman governance. The church is under persecution. You've got very much a sense of idol worship and debauchery taking place. And the church is very much countercultural. So the context of this passage is one of guidance and one of wisdom. 
So it starts out, how to live as husbands and wives, how to live with others. And then it talks about how to live even in the face of suffering. So in the middle of this passage talking about how to deal with suffering, we have got this verse here, our key verse for today. So in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. So because of the the but there, it says, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ or sanctify Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer should anyone ask you the hope which you have. So this phrase should bring comfort and it brings strength to those who are reading this message. We want to just dig deep into some of the words here in this phrase. So our first word we're going to look at is that of heart. So the heart in the Bible, yes, it can be physical. Obviously, we've got a physical heart. But very much when we're talking about the heart in the Bible, we are talking about the will, we're talking about the the mind and the emotions. The heart, the very core of our being. Paul prayed, I ask that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. Now clearly the use of heart there, it's not physical, this is spiritual. So if you get to the heart of an issue, if you get to the core of the issue, dealing with that which is at the very centre, you get to the core of the apple, you've got to the heart of it. You get to the core of the earth, you're in the heart of the earth. The way in which we view the world is through the lens that we have on our heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, the Bible says, for they shall see God. The condition of our heart determines what we see. It determines the experiences that we have. And it determines the degree of seeing God. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Without holiness, it is impossible to see the Lord The psalmist asks the question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord but those who have clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up their soul to an idol and has not sworn deceitfully. Now if we have that purity of heart, we know that we will receive the blessings from the Lord as he has promised and righteousness from the God of our salvation. I'm in, are you? Our second word, sanctify. So in our hearts, the very core of our being, we are to sanctify Christ as Lord. So what does this word sanctify mean? It's it's hagios in the Greek or kadesh in Hebrew. And it means to separate, to set apart as something that is holy or sacred. Now, how many of you, like me, have got special glasses or dishes you only get out at Christmas or if you have important guests come. Now, if, if any of your family comes along and they're like, oh, you know, all the cups have been used, all the dishes have been used up, and they go, oh, well, I'll just grab one of those out the cupboard and you see it. 
the response that it evokes on the inside of you. No, that's not to be used now. You know, go and wash up a cup and use that. This is for special use. It's only to be used on special occasions. You treat it with care. I think we're all very much aware of how we are to sanctify, we are to make holy, we're meant to put in the highest priority, the highest place, Christ as Lord and Saviour, right at the centre of our hearts. We think of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that word hallowed mean? It means the same as holy. It means the same as being sanctified. It's having the highest place, the greatest value, the most supreme treasure. He has the greatest admiration, the most cherished, the one who is esteemed the most in your heart. He's been honoured above all else in the world. That is to be hallowing the name of God. Nothing and nobody can t- occupy that place in our hearts except Christ alone. And we see the pattern of that when it comes to marriage. What kind of statements do we make when we're getting married? We make the promise, forsaking all others, only unto you. So it's the condition of the heart. We, we've got that holy place that's set aside for the partner in our life. And there's nobody else that can come into that. In the same way, or to sanctify Christ in our hearts. There is no place right at the very core, right at the very centre, that is to be occupied by anyone else. So we move on to Lord. So we're to, in our hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. What does Lord mean? Lord is a master, or I would say, uh, better said, as owner. So you are owned by God. So a master, one possessing supreme power and authority, a king, a leader, a ruler, would be regarded as a lord. In today's culture, we're all very familiar with the term landlord, somebody who owns land or owns property. So before we know who we are, we need to know whose we are. And we are owned by the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. So to sanctify Christ as Lord in my heart is to set Christ, who is holy, he is my owner, he's my master, the one who's got supreme authority over my heart, my soul, my mind, my passions, my desires, regardless of the circumstances, I am owned by him. Now, actually, I mean, that's like, oh my goodness, I'm being owned. But you know what? This is the most secure, safe, and exciting place for me. The creator of the world, who knows us intimately, he knows our hearts better than we do, he owns us. And under his lordship, under his authority, he has blessings in abundance in store for us. Charles Spurgeon said, If you desire Christ for a perpetual guest, give him all the keys to your heart. Let not one cabinet be locked from him. Give him the range of every room and the key of every chamber. It's about coming to a place of total 
surrender to the lordship authority of Christ. So with all the busyness, and sometimes you can just feel totally overwhelmed, can't you? You're trying to deal with the issues of, of work and finances and, and tax forms, and then you've got your spouse and your children, and it just goes on and on and on. There's uncertainties. There's demands. We can just feel overwhelmed. So what is it that we have placed right at the very centre of our hearts? What's the baseline? What's the foundation of our lives? Christ alone, cornerstone. We need to set him as the cornerstone of our hearts into which every other area of our life comes into alignment. Being Christ-centered gives us the inner compass. It sets the inner compass that we know where true north lies and we're able to get there very quickly. So the lens through which to see in 2023... We've got three core principles that we're going to be going to look at today. So number one, knowing him. Number two, becoming like him. And number three, doing what he says. So knowing him meets our inner need to be loved, accepted, and have a sense of belonging. Becoming like him, that satisfies our need for growth and progress and development. And then doing what he says gives us a sense of purpose and significance. These are all innate needs that each one of us has. And today, as we look through the lens of Christ in our hearts, setting him as Lord, those inner needs will satisfy the very depth of our soul. So our lives are built on a divine obsession, a passion of living a life with a loving God who loved us so much and he demonstrated that through the sacrifice of his son. Knowing him. There is no greater thing. The desire in my heart, and I know there's a desire in so many of you to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, follow him more nearly. Our hope built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Knowing him meets our need for intimacy, connection, belonging, love. And we are just hot-wired to have this connection with God. Putting anything else at the centre of our lives becomes an idol. And we know by definition that idols will, in the end, destroy us. Christ alone, cornerstone, foundation of our lives. This is not about religion. This is about a relationship. I think about the Apostle Paul. Now, he had all the credentials. He was religiously observant, and in fact, he even stated himself that according to the law, he was perfect. I don't think there's anybody here today that would be able to make that statement. I know I certainly couldn't. But then he goes on to say in Philippians 3, 7 to 11, For whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, 
I count all things lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so I may gain Christ. He wanted to know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. Are we, like the Apostle Paul, able to state, my determined purpose is that I may know him? We know from Scripture that one day all will know him. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, for all will know him, from the least to the greatest. The question is, do we know him today? When we meet him face to face, is he going to say, I never knew you. It's a challenge today. We want to become like him. It's our first foundation, knowing him. Second one, becoming like him. This meets my need for progress and development. Meets my need to, to grow up in maturity. Let's have a look at the past. For as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. So most of us here today have accepted the good news. We know the the gospel, that God loves me, that I've sinned, and that sin has separated me from God, that Jesus died for me, died in my place, became a sacrifice for my sin. And that we need to make a decision based on that to live our lives wholeheartedly for God. There may be some of you here today that today, at the outset of 2023, want to begin that journey. Okay, it takes us into the present. So... We all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That same Spirit that dwelt in Jesus dwells within us. And the fruit of the Spirit should become evident in our lives as we allow the Spirit's work to continue within us. So we've moved from the past where we're saying he he gave the right to become children of God. We received him. So now we're being transformed and we're we're in that place right now. But in the future, this, this transformation will continue until we are mature, just as Christ is, and we will become completely like him. We can't even imagine what it will be like when Christ returns, but we do know that when he comes, we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. 
We are works in progress. Our spiritual transformation is developing the character of which is developing the character of Jesus in us is going to take the rest of our lives. And even then, it's not going to be completed on earth, but it will only be finished when we get to heaven when Jesus returns. We want to know Jesus, we want to become like him, we need to do what he says. Doing what he says is going to meet our need for significance and purpose. Our obedience does not determine God's love for us, but however, it demonstrates our love for him. If you're familiar with the story of the water being turned into wine, the run out of wine, and what does Mary say to Jesus? She asks him, she tells him about the, the wine, and what does she say to the servants? She says, do as he tells you. Just do it. We don't feel our way into right actions, but we act our way into right feelings. So those people who were told to fill up the jars, they must have been thinking, this is crazy, this is a wedding, and I'm filling them, these jars with water. What on earth am I doing? But they were obedient. They did it. And then the fruit of that was, of course, the most magnificent wine had been produced. And they were a part of that process because of their obedience. If they'd sat back, they, they would have missed it. They'd have missed being a part of what God wanted to do. So what did Jesus command us? Okay, so here we go. So those who are not saved, you need to repent. You need to turn from the past and you need to step into a life in Christ. We're told to pray for those who persecute us. We're told to pray for the sick. We're to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. We're told to accept that just as, the, as Christ was in the Father, so he too will be in us. We're commanded to go make disciples. To love one another as Christ loved us. These are not suggestions, but these are commands given by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ, our Saviour. The only question is, will we obey? Will you? Will you obey? The lens through which we see at Forward Free in 2023 is Christ-centred. Our hearts sanctifying Christ as Lord Everything in our lives should be fulfilling one of these three principles. Knowing Jesus, becoming like him, and doing what he says. As we spend time getting to know Jesus, we spend time with him. We are going to become more like him. And as we become more like him, his desires become our desires. It's not out of coercion that we're doing things, but it's out of our love for him. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart. I'll give you new and right desires and put a new spirit within you. I'll take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new heart of love. And I will put my spirit in you that you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. 
That's a, a fantastic promise that we can receive from the Lord today. It's not about self-effort. This is about allowing the Spirit of God to come and do a work in our hearts. In our hearts, sanctifying Christ as Lord, allowing his Spirit to flow through us, transforming us to become more and more like Jesus. Okay, let us stand and let us pray. Father, on this first day of 2023, may the lens through which we see be centered on Jesus Christ. In our hearts, the very core of our being, we just want to sanctify him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our owner. We determine this year, Father, to know him, become more like him, and to do what he says May this year, may we receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and the eyes of our hearts be enlightened so we may know the hope of your calling, the riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of your power. For your glory, Father, we pray. Amen. Okay, you may take your seats. I, sorry. Um, now, um, Ian, you may take your seats. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Ian, just before um, I came out, he, he said that he's written a poem for us. So he's written a poem that really sums up the lens through which we see in 2023, which I'm going to read to you. And after the service, we've actually got cards with his poem written on it, so you can take it away and stick it on your fridge and be reminded of today's message. So this is from Ian. It's through our hearts we see. That's our lens for 2023. Life is a book in volumes three. The past, the present, and the yet to be. The past is written and laid away. The present we're writing every day. And the last and best of volumes three is locked from sight, our hearts, the key. The condition of our heart sets our future course. It determines our responses and our life's force. Will we sanctify Christ in our hearts today? Surrender daily and yield to his way? Know him, become like him, do what he says too. Be Christ-centred in everything we do. Our church will grow and change in 2023. We will need to be strong in love at Fullwood Free. How can we go through transition and insecurity? By centering on him and our heart's maturity. We're responsible for the condition of our own hearts. Unforgiveness, bitterness are the enemy's darts. Let us take up the shield of faith in 2023 and protect our church's future destiny. As your pastor taking the helm in 2023, here is my challenge of what we can be. In all that we do and think and rate, let it be Christ 
but we imitate. If we're going to conform to anybody or anything, let it be him and his kingdom that we bring.